Uh, that's fun, isn't it? It's very, very cool. Well, hey, I'm Jeff, one of the pastors here, and I too just want to welcome you. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, here this morning. I just want to say just a couple things um, about what you saw there. What, what's happening there in fourth and fifth grade with that room and with that, that ministry is a really special thing, and we just want to say, as a church, we want to say thank you. Um, thank you for being the kind of church that you have a spirit of generosity. Um, there's not a fourth or fifth grader that walks through those doors that doesn't have the thought go through their mind, you know what, this church cares about the next generation. They, they really care about the next generation knowing and loving Jesus Christ. It's very evident. And uh, just this last week, I heard the story of this mom that... Uh, her little fourth grade son invited a friend over to spend the night on Saturday night, and she got, got him up on Sunday morning, and she said, hey, we, we need to get going. Um, we're going to church this morning. And the friend of her son's said, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't do church. And uh, she, she said kindly, um, I'm sorry too, but we do. Um, and, and, you know, you're here, and so we're going to go, and it's, it's, it's going to be great. And, and, and that didn't go over so well. And, and, and so then he said, he said, well, uh, can I at least just stand in the back and just kind of be disengaged? I, I, can I just stand in the back? You know, is that okay? She goes to pick the, the two boys up, and this friend of her son's looks at her, and, and uh, he, says, he says, can you call my mom, and can you ask her if you can bring me here every single week? You know? And our team goes, yes! You know, like, we're so excited. That's what we're aiming for, you know? Another first grader said this to me last week. She said, I just wish I could go back to church. This was on Sunday. She said, I just wish church was again tomorrow, you know. And uh, we just want to thank you. You are, by the way that you give, by the way that you serve, you are contributing to a place that God is doing some great things. And we just want to say thank you. We want you to know the success stories. And uh, that's what we're shooting for. So, so thanks for, for who you are. Hey, before we dive in this morning, um, let's just go to the Lord and uh, just with our arms kind of open wide, let's just pray and let's just ask God, um, Lord, would you do something inside of each one of us here this morning? So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the, um, the truth uh, behind the songs that we just sung. Um, Lord, we praise you because you're worthy. Lord, your, your love is so great. It, it never changes. It never gives up on us. And uh, we're so grateful for that this morning. Lord, we thank you that you know us. We thank you that you know every single person that you brought into this room this morning. And so, Lord, we just want to say to you, in light of that, in light of the fact that as a heavenly Father, you care deeply for us, we want to say, Lord, in response to that very sincerely, we just want to say, Lord, would you speak to us now? As we open your word together, um, Lord, would you speak? And whether these words are brand new, we haven't been in church but a short time, or whether the words we'll look at today are very familiar, Lord. That's our posture. It's one of, God, would you teach us? So would you even have that kind of a conversation with the Lord right now? Just say, Lord, my arms are open wide to you today. Would you speak to me? Lord, we pray that prayer because you answer it when we're open to you. And so, Lord, it's with confidence that we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, we began a new series, a new series called Nine Things You Simply Must Do, kind of an offshoot of, of, of a book written by Henry Cloud. And what we find, find in this book are nine different principles that are rooted in Scripture. And when we embrace these principles, it leads us to a place where we experience this thriving life that Jesus Christ intended for us to live. And so two weeks ago, we unpacked the first principle, and that one was called Dig It Up. And 
And it was this reality that inside each one of us, there's a treasure. Inside each one of us, there are gifts and talents, things that God has put inside of us that we need to expose and that we need to say, okay, God, you've given me this. And as a result of that, with joy, I want to live and honor you with the gifts and talents that you've given me. Then last week, um, Tim led us uh, through the principle called pull the tooth. And that was all about the fact that there are different obstacles that come our way when we kind of dig up those treasures inside of us. There's things right there, hurdles that we've got to get around. And so we talked about those things. What do we do? Sometimes we have to just say, whoa, I, I've got to, I got to get that out of my life. It was a great week. Then this week, the, the principle, our third principle, whatever stage of life you're in this morning, I just want to say this, um, whether you've been walking with God uh, not very long at all, maybe on your spiritual journey, or whether you've um, been walking with Christ years and years and years, even all, I would think of all the life uh, situations that you face, this principle is incredibly powerful. Out of the nine, this is the one that has grabbed me the most. To set it up, though, I, I want us to, to take us on a little mental uh, journey together. So I want you to imagine this. Imagine that you are at a movie theater. And you're walking down the aisle of the, the movie theater, down the hallway, and you look at your ticket stub, you find the right um, theater that you're supposed to go into, you go in, you sit down, it's the nice place, it's got the nice recliner, so you're comfortable, right? The trailers start to play, you're into it, you like them, then the movie starts, but you realize that this isn't the movie that you came to see, this is a movie that's all about you. And since it's all about you, and you're interested in you, of course, uh, you, you stay, that's okay. And, and so you stay put, you stay in your seat, and you begin to watch this movie, and it's a documentary of your life. And so you see some cute little pictures of you as a, a baby, and then you see that your childhood, and maybe some ups and even some downs that your family faced, and, and you keep going through the different scenes, and, and you, you get to some points where you're like, whoa, that, that was pivotal. The decision that I made right there had an effect on my future in a, a pretty big way. There are also times when you look at it and you go, wow, I'm glad that happened. And you kind of smile at, as the script unfolds on the screen. But then there are other times when you cringe. There are times when you just go, oh, you don't even want to watch. Maybe for you it was all of college. You just go, oh, no, I can't watch that, right? There are times when you look at life and you go, oh, that didn't play out well. Oh, that led me to a place where I didn't really want to go. And so you watch this film unfolding, and as it's getting good, it comes to a place that you don't like at all. The screen goes blank, and then these three simple words come up on the screen. Here it is, to be continued. To be continued. Kind of a bummer when you're into a, a movie, right, when you see something like that. Let me ask you the question, though. If you were able to write, then, the script for the rest of your life, what would you write? What would be the things that would come to your mind, things that you would want included, things that if you were going to surround yourself with the people closest to you, things that you'd be proud of, things that you would even want them to watch? What kind of ending to the movie would you write? The principle that we're going to be looking at this morning is this. It's called Play the Movie. It's this idea, and this is how I'll refer to it throughout the message. When we play the movie, what we're doing is this. Here it is, another way to think about it. We're playing it forward. We're looking at our lives and we're saying, okay, I can do certain things in my life, but I can also step kind of out of the here and now, and I can play it forward. I can look at my current actions and I can go, okay, how is that going to play out for me? It's this idea that if I play the movie forward and if I start with the end in mind, it's going to dictate how I go through my life. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to the church in Galatia, he said it like this. 
He said, a man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. And, and what Paul was saying when he said that is he, he wanted people to know, okay, you're going to go through life and, and you're going to sow different things. You're going to do certain things, but those certain things are going to reap certain results. The sowing, you could think of it like this, sowing is hard work. Sowing is, it's the job of planting. It's the job of working the soil. You could put it like this, when you sow You're going through life, and you're kind of in the grind. You know what I mean? You're just plugging away day after day after day. Reaping, and in biblical times, this whole idea of sowing and reaping, these words would have been very familiar to them. Uh, They, you know, obviously written to a society of people, they understood what it meant to live off the land. And so they understood when Paul said a man will uh, reap what he sows, they understood on the reap side, they were like, okay, that's directly tied to what I sow. What I reap, what I'm going to end up with in the end, that's directly tied to the things that I sow. Now, the challenge for us this morning is this. When you think about what you're going to reap in your life, the challenge is oftentimes we get so stuck in sowing and we just keep going through the day-to-day, the day-to-day decisions, and life's busy. But today we're going to stop and we're going to say, okay, what what do we really want to reap? What do we want it to be at the very end of our lives? What do our actions want? What do we want them to reap? And and here's what we know. Whatever we sow is directly correlated to what we'll reap. Henry Cloud in his book, I just want to show you this quote. He, um, He put it like this. He said, sowing and reaping is about what I ultimately end up with, take in, live with, be stuck with, and so on. If I sow this particular behavior, choice, attitude, value, or strategy, it is it is the long-term view. More accurately, it is the end view. What will happen in the end is the question. Here it is. The wise person seeks to answer. Jesus used very similar languages as well. In John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus, and he wasn't looking so much at the so part of our lives, but Jesus, he wanted us to play the movie. He wanted us to play it forward. And Jesus said this, at the end of your life, John 15, 8, he said, this to my Father's glory, here it is, that you bear much fruit. And what Jesus was saying is at the end of your days, I want your life to be in such a place that it's a blessing. It's like this huge fruit tree. And what does it do? It blesses those who come under it. I want your lives to be like that. This morning, we're going to be looking particularly at the life of a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. And what we're going to see about Daniel is Daniel was a guy that played the movie forward. Daniel was a guy that he thought in his mind, what is the end? What do I want to result? Who do I want to become? How do I want to be known? And he was so determined and he had such a clear picture of what he would reap that we'll see this throughout this morning. It impacted every decision that he made. It impacted how he sowed. In order, though, for the significance, really, of these verses and his actions to really land for us, we've got to know a little bit about the background of what's going on in Israel at this particular time. We find this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. We find that the king of Babylon, he has taken over the city of Jerusalem. He's uh, it's laid siege on it, and they've been overtaken. And so these people are all slaves now to, to this king. Then we get to Daniel chapter 1, verse 3, and we find this. This is how it plays out. It says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his uh, court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, 
showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, the best of the best, qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Now here's what ha- what's happening. The king is saying, okay, I've taken over this city, but now I want to take a select group of young men, and I want these young men to become great Babylonians. And so I'm going to control their diet, I'm going to control their studies, everything about them, I want it to line up. And what this king was doing was he was saying, hey, I'm, I'm playing the movie forward for these, this young group of young men. I want them to be able to best serve me, the king, and my purposes. And so this process of being indoctrinated begins with the hope that these young men will become great Babylonians. Uh, It'd be like this. It would be like if we took a group of young men from a farm in rural Nebraska and then we just plucked these guys right into the center of Bangkok, Thailand. Be that like, whoa, this is different. It's totally new, everything. In verse 8, we find that Daniel is one of these guys. At this point, he's probably 15 years old. His name Daniel means this. It means God is my judge. That's, That's what his name meant. In this process, though, of being indoctrinated and in this process of him becoming a great Babylonian, his name was changed to Belteshazzar, which means this, Bel will protect. Bel was this, uh, it was an abbreviation for this pagan god. You can see the depths of how this transformation was, want, they were wanting to take place in the lives of these young men. But we're going to see this, regardless of Daniel's circumstances, We see it over and over again. Daniel had already played the movie forward. Daniel had already said, at the end of my days, I know what I want to reap. And so I know I'm going to continue to sow this and this and this because one day there'll be something more important. And that's what I want to reap. Let's look at his actions. And then we're going to look at this incredible statement that's made about him towards the end of his life. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Here's the first of his actions says that Daniel, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel resolved. Now, Daniel knew this. The reason why he resolved, the reason why he said, there's no way I'm going to eat this food, was because Daniel knew the first portion of the king's food and drink went to, was offered to an idol. And so Daniel said, no, 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 Right, right from the go, I know this isn't going to be good. This obviously isn't politically correct. This is a a big bad thing for me to say. But Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do it. I I am resolved. Now keep this in mind, though. It wasn't as though Daniel was just making this resolution to not go the way that he was being told to. It wasn't like he was just making that to a cafeteria worker there at the palace. Daniel's making this to the king. The king would hear about this. It's a big deal. But for Daniel, he already knew the end And so right off the bat, we see, no, 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 I resolve. I am committed to my God. He's faithful. Fast forward three years in his life, and Daniel appears before the king, and he's selected to the king's inner circle. And at this point, and know this about the king, this king is crazy. This king is unruly. This king is very dangerous. And so Daniel, though, is brought before the king because the king has this dream that troubles him. And so God gives this gift to Daniel to be able to interpret this dream. But there's a lot at stake. This king, as I said, is is not all there. And so the king says this, if 
not only you, Daniel, but if all the wise men in the land, if you can't, if, if no one can interpret this dream, I'm going to kill you all. And so Daniel goes before the king. We see this in chapter 2, and, and it says this. It says that the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, well, well no, no, no wise man, enchanter, musician, and diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But here it is. Notice where Daniel points the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Now, at this point, Daniel could have taken some credit and said, yeah, I think I can come through for you there, bud. But instead, Daniel says, no, 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 I want you to know that there is a God in heaven. No musician, no diviner, nobody can do this for you. But king, I I want you to know about somebody. There is a God in heaven who can help. Notice where his attention is. We see this again and again in the life of Daniel. Daniel sows seeds of faithfulness. Again and again, Daniel has opportunity to say, you know what, I could just take some credit for this, or I could go the other way, or I could compromise a little bit. Ask yourself the question, are there any ways in which you would say, wow, I'm pushed to kind of veer off a little bit, but I look at Daniel's faithfulness and I go, ooh, that's, that's good. That, that's really challenging. Much time passes in the story. Daniel gets much older. Another king is on the scene. This king, too, has this troubling vision. Fast forward a little bit. And Daniel's name, maybe Daniel wasn't quite as known and thought about then, but Daniel's name does get brought into the mix. And so Daniel then comes before the king again. But this time, I think the stakes personally were even a little bit higher for Daniel. Because at this point, the king puts two things before Daniel, this new king. He says, Daniel, if you can interpret this, if you can help me, I just want you to know, Daniel, I'll give you riches. But on top of riches, I'll make you third in command. You'll be third in command over my entire kingdom. We're talking a lot of people. He probably maybe took him to the top of a, you know, a big building and said, look at the splendor of this place. I'll give you all of these riches, Daniel, but I'll also, I'll put you third in command. You'll be in charge. It's not a one-time gift. This is ongoing. What a chance for Daniel to begin to compromise. But what we see is this. We see his ultimate desire was this. Daniel wanted to get to the end of his days as he played it forward, as he played the movie out. He wanted to get to the end of his days, and he simply wanted God to say, Daniel, well done. Daniel, you did a great job. You, you, boy, you, that was a tough one, I bet, for you right there. But you, you stayed the course, Daniel. You knew where you wanted to go. That place honored me, and you kept to it. Daniel could have compromised, but look what he said here in chapter 5. He's talking to the king, and he says this. He says, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Just before this, Daniel said, I will interpret your dream. I will. But in short, he said to him, I don't want your riches. I don't want your riches. And then he goes in and he says, before I interpret the dream, though, I got to tell you, You did not honor the the God who holds in his hand your life. Notice his allegiance. Daniel is passionate again and again and again. And the stakes were so high. I wish we could somehow jump into the mind of Daniel because the stakes were so high for him. But in light of riches and in light of power, Daniel says, "Uh uh-uh, no king, I I don't want your gifts, but also I just want to tell you, please know this, hear this, You're not honoring the one who holds your life in his hands. If you fast forward to the end of the book of Daniel, scholars agree that he was probably about 75 years old 
when the last words were written about his life. And this is the last sentence in Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. It says this, as for you, and this is an angel speaking to Daniel. As for you, Daniel, go, this is such powerful, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. This angel was looking at Daniel and speaking a message from the Lord, and the message was this, Daniel, go your own way. Daniel, I'm so pleased with you, the Lord was saying. You sowed and you sowed and you sowed because you, and you've done it faithfully because you had this picture. You played it forward. You knew, Daniel, that one day you wanted me to say to you, well done. Great job. You, you were faced with this and that along the way, but you stayed faithful. You kept going. You knew what you would reap one day. And so, Daniel, just go your own way. I had to ask myself the question as I read that. If God spoke to me right today, would he say to me, Jeff, change your way? Or would he say, Jeff, go your way? Because you'd be so confident that he would say, you're going the way I want you to. You're not, even, you're not going your way. You're going, my, you're going my way. What a statement that is said about Daniel. You honored me, that angel was saying. You honored the Lord. So Daniel, just continue on to the end of your days. Let me ask you a question if you played it forward in your life, if you played out the things that you're sowing and you played out this desire for your life, what you want to reap, let's say this morning that you would say you want to reap a well done from the Lord. You want God to say something like he said to Daniel at the end of your days, just keep going your way because your way, your way the way you're doing your life, the decisions you're making, who you're putting, your priority, everything, it's pleasing to me. If that was what you wanted to reap, let me ask you, I have to ask myself this, is what I'm sowing leading me to that place? Because I know this, when I play it forward, I know that what I reap is directly tied to what I sow. And so we asked the question this morning, is what I'm sowing leading to the place, leading to the thing that I want to reap? You could ask the question this way, are my actions, my current actions, <clears throat> writing my desired future? So my current actions, and, and you can, this applies to so many areas of life. You could say, are my current actions in my relationships, in my finances, with my health, spiritually, are my current actions, are they writing my desired future? Are they writing that at the end of my days, God looks at you, he looks at me, and he just pat on the back, good job. You lived well, you weren't perfect, but boy, you, you knew what you wanted, and, and you, you kept going with that. You know, some of you, you're in the midst on the relationship side right now. You, you're coming to some critical junctures. I know this about some of you. You're coming to different forks in the road, and you're making decisions that are sowing seeds that you're going to one day reap, right? And for some of you, you're making great decisions. For others of you, you know you're going down certain paths, and you're like, oh, when you play it forward, if you stop long enough, you don't like how it plays forward. For others of you, you go, you know what? I like how I'm sowing. I like where this is going. It is so wise to ask the question, are my current actions leading to the future that I hope to one day have? I recently heard a pastor put it this way. I love this statement. Here it is. No one ever drifts into who they want to become. You have to declare it. Now, I know this. People drift. I drift into a person I don't want to become very easily, right? That just kind of has this natural drift. No one ever drifts into who they want to become. You don't drift there. You have to 
declare it. I love that. You have to say, no, 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 I'm not just going to go this or that. I mean, because there's a lot of options, aren't there? I mean, there's a lot of things that seem even very appealing. But you, you don't drift to where you want to go. You don't drift to that place where you want to reap what you maybe just thought of a little bit ago, a well done from God. You don't drift there. You have to declare it. As soon as I, I saw those words declare, I thought of this guy in the Old Testament that we read about. His name's Joshua. Joshua, if you know anything about him, he was a great military leader. I mean, this guy, he was a great leader of, of people. But he, and he led with this. He led with great visions and great faith. But here's the deal. At the end of, Joseph, at the end of um, Joshua's life, he's standing before this group of people, and it's kind of a coaching moment for him. They know who he is as a leader. And he makes this statement in chapter 25 of the book of Joshua. He says this to all of these people. He knows the culture that he lives in, but he cares for them. So he says, hey, this is where I'm going. But he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, you've watched my life, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are living. And then he makes this statement. This is just crucial. He says, but as for me, declaration, and this isn't about drifting, but as for me and my household, he says, we will serve the Lord. And I bet you the people in the audience that day that they knew that he loved them, I bet you they thought, whoa, he just made a declaration. And he's not going to kind of drift there, and he doesn't hope that his family will one day end up like this. No, no, he's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, no, I declare, we're going to do this. And since I know what the end is going to look like, we're going to start to back it up and we're going to go, okay, what do I need to sow in order for us to, to faithfully serve the Lord? I was reading this article in this magazine, just kind of flipping through this magazine and, um, you know, just one of those, you know how you get your mail and you get 15 things that you don't need or want and then you get one or two that you do and I was trying to figure out what we needed and wanted and all that, you know. This is a magazine that um, just kind of flying through it. And this article just caught my eye. The title of it said, Growing Up Ramsey. And it was this article about Dave Ramsey and what it was like for his kids to grow up in his household. And I walked away from that article. I thought, man, that's an interesting title. And, and I thought to myself, wow, that's a play it forward moment. I thought, what would it be like, what will my kids one day say, what was it like to grow up in the dark household? What's it like to grow up dark? And so this, that night um, at dinner, God worked a miracle because our kids were like fairly quiet and we had a good conversation. It was great, you know. And, and so I asked them the question. I just said, hey, hey, fam, um, what do we want it to be like to grow up dark? That's our last name. That's who we are. What do we want it to be like someday? So I got out a pen and a paper and we wrote down five things. Five things that if we say oh, we're actually going to sow according to these things that we hope to reap, because I feel like if these five things happen, the Lord will say of our family, he will say, well done. That's what we're shooting for. Good job. If they become actions, it will lead to a good place. Now, now, here's the thing. This is why I bring this up. There's such power in stepping out, and this is our challenge. There's such power in stepping out of all the sowing, the day to day to day, and to actually play the movie forward and just say, what do we really want it to be? And then work backwards and say, okay, if that's what we want it to be, then what do we, our actions need to be? What do we need to sow along the way in order to get there? I love this example that we got watching the Super Bowl last year at the end of it. You might remember this interview uh, with Russell Wilson. 
uh, and he elaborated more on this later on in, in different interviews, but growing up, and he's a follower of Christ, growing up, his parents would say to him, Russell, you know, as you honor God with your life, they said this to him over and over, they said, why not you? Oh, Super Bowl, like early in his childhood, Russell, why not you? Why wouldn't God want to put you on that big platform and, and give you that kind of influence? Here's what I love about what his parents were doing over and over to him. They were giving him a great vision for his life. They were saying, Russell, you put God first. Boy, Russell, why not you? And here's what his parents knew. They knew that someone was going to give him different ideas of what he could become, what he could do with his life. Many of you, you're in a stage of parenting right now where, honestly, it's really hard. It's maybe even a little discouraging. Maybe it's even a little hard identity crisis a little bit for you. I want to encourage you this morning, as you intentionally invest in the lives of your kids on the spiritual front, play it forward. When you get discouraged, when you wonder, is this really worth my time? Play it forward. What's it going to be like for that child when they're 20? What's it going to be like for them when they're 30, when they're 40? Play it forward. Your efforts are not in vain. Grandparents, you, when you think about, okay, what is the legacy that I want to leave? What will be the most important thing to my grandchildren 100 years from now? What will be most important to them? It'll be your legacy of faith. And so are you, are, you, are you sowing that into them? Are you painting, are you helping your grandchildren, your kids, see that there's a future thriving with Jesus Christ? Play it forward for them. Help them do that. College students, high school students, I love it when I hear a college or high school student say this. They say, you know what, I'm just wondering if what I'm doing now is, is going to be good for me in the future. What they're doing, they're playing it forward. They're saying, okay, if, if this is who I want to become, so wise, such a wise question to ask, is what I'm doing now, is it leading to where I want to, to, to go someday? I know a family in our church that they began to play it forward um, on the health front. And um, they were looking at the, some different habits of their own, and they knew that if they continued on the same course, it, it wasn't going to be wasn't going to be good for them. Wouldn't be good for their own children. So they looked at their three beautiful daughters. Just talking to the father of this family this week, they looked at their kids and they said, "You know, we got to make some changes." But the thing that motivated them was they saw the end. They said, "Okay, we we don't like how this is going to play out, and so we need to write a different script." So they began to write a different script, and then they said, "Okay, that's what we're shooting for." So now that changes what we sow because that's ultimately what we want to reap for us and for our kids. We want to honor God with our lives and everything. And so they took it so seriously. And just get this, just over the last three months, a little over the last three months, Joel, the father of this family, has lost 100 pounds. His wife, Nikki's lost over 40 pounds. You know what they're doing? They're playing it forward. They're playing it forward and they're saying, okay, what do we want? What do we want these kids? What do we want them growing up, thinking and doing? They're playing it forward. And they're saying, wow, we, we want to be here. We want to be fully engaged. You see the power in this? There's power in playing it forward. This week I asked myself the question. I said, Jeff, what is the most important thing that the church would need to hear about playing it forward? What's the most important area where we, we can't miss it? And I tell you what, this, it's rather emotional, honestly. This word just kept coming to my mind as clear as day. Where do we have to play it forward? Well, it's in the matters of eternity. Eternity. That kept coming back to me. I mean, you think about your life for a minute. I mean, if this is earth and this is our lives here, it's maybe about this big, we'll just say. But then, boom, at this point, when you die, you go into eternity. All the way, you know. 
It's huge. It's forever, right? And so it's so important for us to play it forward and ask this question, am I in right standing with God? I remember being on Iowa State's campus as a sophomore and sitting in front of this huge campus library, and there was a guy sitting next across from me, and, and he began to ask me different questions, and what he was doing for me is he was playing it forward. And he was saying to me things like, you know, Jeff, what's your confidence in, you know, when you think about, you know, not just this life, but the life to come, and we talked about that, and it became very clear to him, it was very clear to me, my confidence was in me, but it wasn't a lot of confidence, because I said things to him like this, I said, what? Well, I think... You know, kind of muttered around, I think at the end of my days, you know, the kind of the good will outweigh the, the bad, and I, I go to church, I do this, I try whatever, blah, 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 and I think that hopefully cancels out that, and I had kind of this weight system in my mind, and, and so he kind of kept talking to me, and, and it became very clear, he was like, wow, your, your hope is in something that's it's not strong, it's not solid. This became a pivotal verse for me, this is from the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3 verse 5, it says this, it says that God, that he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, here it is, but because of his mercy. That, that was like a light bulb went on for me. Whoa, whoa, God, you saved me, not because of my righteousness, but because of your mercy. That at the end of my days, if I'm standing before God, and we all will, I won't want to say to God, God, I hope you see me. Because when I compare myself to Jesus Christ, and that's our standard, Jesus is perfect, and I, in his, in his presence, I am woefully sinful, woefully. And so I realize, okay, I want to stand before God, and I want him to see Jesus Christ. I don't want to put my hope in Jeff anymore. And so I want to put my faith in Christ. John chapter 17, verse 3 says this. It says, now this is eternal life. Here it is, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's this idea that, okay, when we come to know God, that doesn't just mean, oh, ticket to heaven. It means, no, no, eternal life is, it's knowing God. It's knowing him right here. It's knowing him right now. Let me ask you, on the spiritual front, the most important question that you could possibly ask yourself as you think about playing it forward in different areas of your life, this would be the most important one. Am I 100% confident that I know Jesus Christ? That would be the most important question that you could possibly ask. Because many times people say, well, I'm pretty good. But know this, you don't want to stand before God without anything other than you would say, my faith is in Christ. I am woefully sinful in presence of a holy God, and so I cling to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. It's interesting, um, when Warren Buffett began investing in Berkshire Hathaway in 1962, a stock was worth $15. Imagine that. Would have you gotten any at that time? <laughs> I would have. Um, in 2004, that same stock now is worth, two, as of this week, $206,000. Now, if you knew how that would play out, right, if you knew how that would play forward, if you knew how it would go, that one day that $15 would be $206,000, I'll tell you what, I know this about each one of us. We would have pooled up as many $15 as we could, right? We would have invested because we would have known where the future was. Know this this morning. Please hear this. We can be confident that at the end of our days, we will stand before God. And eternity is eternity. And so I would just, I would just pray this morning that you would say, I'm going to get that one figured out. I don't want to stand before God. I'm confident it's going to happen. I want to stand before God and I want to be seen in light of not me, 
but I want to be seen in light of Jesus Christ. This morning, maybe the application for you is this. Um, maybe you just look at one of these areas and you play it forward. Maybe, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your health, maybe it's just on this spiritual front the most important one. Whatever it is, would you take just one of these and would you play it forward? Would you spend enough time this week that you say, okay, I'm, not, I'm just going to get out of the sewing for a minute. I'm going to actually take the time to play it forward. Imagine you're back at that movie theater for a second and, and so you're sitting there and in this theater, right around you are the people that are closest to you. And then the rest of the theater, are, it's filled with people that, that know you, right? Maybe people you work with, whatever. And so the movie goes on, this documentary of your life, this script that you make by the way that you sew. And it keeps going and it keeps going. And imagine that the people around you, by the end of it, they look at you and they say, wow, I want to do it like he did it. I want to do it like she did it. They, they got it right. They took the time. They knew where they were going. Like Daniel, they knew what they wanted to reap, and so it affected how they sowed. They played it forward. Let's be a church that we're wise and that we seek the grace of God, and we say, oh, God, would you help us play it forward in the areas of life that matter most? Let's do this. Let's, let's go to the Lord and pray to that end. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the life of Daniel. Lord, thank you for what we can learn from it. And, um, and Lord, I just pray for maybe that person that's here this morning and they would say, I don't know Christ. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would surrender to you. And Lord, if we do know you, God, help us to think really hard today about what do we want you to say at the end, God? Lord, what do we want to reap? Might you say to us, go on your way. You're, you're living well. Well, well done. So God, that's our aim. We need your grace and your mercy, and we love you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, we've got this incredible opportunity to take communion together. And um, when we take communion, it's a big deal because if there's anybody on, in the history of, of mankind that played it forward the best, it was Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, this would have been a truth that Jesus knew, but yet he stepped into this reality it says that the punishment that was upon Jesus, it says it brought you and I peace. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew, okay, one day I will suffer, but I'm going to work. I'm going to go through that suffering because that's going to mean for everybody sitting here, that's going to mean the reality of peace um, in life, peace with God. And uh, that's incredible. And so this morning as we take communion, we're going to remember that together. Um, we're gonna, Rob's going to lead us in some music and and let these lyrics just kind of lead you to a place of great gratitude for the fact that Christ played it forward. He endured the suffering so that you and I could have peace.